Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman. Both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? All right, so we are in episode three of Sales Process. This has been a fun series to work through. Last week, we worked through really the first couple stages of this. It's all around prospecting and qualifying. Uh, we drew a lot of parallels to this to the territory plan. We're all trying to focus on more and better qualified opportunities. We talked about how do we uh, narrow the focus on the right types of prospects that we're going after. And then once we've kind of got somebody or a, a prospective customer on the hook, how do we qualify them? How do we ensure that we are getting engaged in a, uh, in a deal or some sort of process that's going to lead to a higher probability of a good outcome for us? So we spent a lot of time talking about that. We talked about demand generation activities. Bobby, why don't you talk about what we're going to cover today? Today's two stages are develop and solution. Like Brian said, we broke down a little bit of each of those steps uh, last week, and this week we're going to talk about develop and solution. How do you develop and grow that opportunity? We're going to talk about latent pain and some of those things around how we can make a small opportunity become a bigger opportunity. And then we're going to talk, start talking about solution and how we define how big or small that solution is going to be and continue to refine that reverse timeline and the goals around the solution with the customer so that we know what we're working towards together which ultimately should help us get to a win together. Let's jump right in. So I talked a lot about it in the first episode. I, I, hopefully you all listened to it, but this is where the latent pain comes in. And it's not a, a term everyone understands, but it's, it's helping guide a customer to see and understand that your product and solutions or your capabilities are going to solve more than what they're asking for you to solve. A little analogy or dialogue that I go through with my sales teams, Brian, in the past around this latent pain one is an example of mowing my grass. Um, this is a little off the cuff here, but I ask my sales teams, propose to me that I call you and say, Brian, I'd like you to mow my grass. What are you going to quote me? And it varies at times, but nine times out of ten, there'll be a, I'm going to mow your grass for 20 bucks. And I'll say, well, I was going to pay you 40 You know, I do those things to, like, teach them there's a budget opportunity there if you ask the right questions. But uh, to break the story down, normally someone says, mow it. They give me a price. And then someone says, ah, I've got it. I'm going to I'm gonna mow it, and I'm going to edge it for you. And I'm like, okay, that's that's good. That's better. If you're going to do that for 20 well, you're winning, kind of like you might do in the sales process or the sales stages. And then I say, well, I really don't want my hedges to be my problem. Would you take on my hedges? Like, have you ever had a customer ask you those follow-up questions that you should have been able to lead them to, Brian? I mean, in, in some, sometimes not early in the process. Sometimes it's a little bit later in the process. But yeah, I mean, in fact, we've had a, con had a conversation this week with a prospective customer that, you know, we, we kind of offer a broad range of solutions to, to companies. And they came to us 
with a uh, kind of a, hey, we got this problem we're trying to solve as a business. We hear that you can do that. They came to one of our, our sales conferences uh, that we had last week, and they saw a lot of other things. So then the conversation that we had uh, just a couple days ago was very much about, hey, we saw this other stuff that you can do. It'd be really nice if we could also solve that with your, your solution as well. So I'll take that, continue to take that example of mowing my grass as the ask and teach my salespeople or people that I might be mentoring how to really go deep and wide to seek to understand, is this something you're interested in or not interested in? And it's got to be natural. It can't be a list of robotic questions that you ask. But um, we'll, we'll take a long story short. Maybe I'll do a one-off podcast with this example because I, I really do love it. But at the end of it, I hope to teach my sales team that, one, you should be able to mow, edge, and blow, and pick up all the clippings. That's like the minimum you should be offering. But what about those hedges? What about mulching? Uh, what about maybe doing some weeding, add-on services? that you know, We all get what mowing the lawn people do, but I try to work them into, well, that's normally, even in Texas where it's hot year-round, it's probably only like an eight-month gig. Well, what are you going to do those other four months if you were the business owner and you were the sales team? What about a full year-round service that in the winter you'll pick up leaves and rake leaves? And how about if we just turn it into lawn care as a service and you're going to pay me 25 or $30 a week, four weeks a month, that's 120 bucks. You let me work all year long for you. I'll do everything. I'll wrap all these other services into it. All those pains the customer wasn't asking you for, but they really do have them. Maybe including washing the windows and power washing. And you think of all these other things you could add on. That that $120 a month could turn into a $250, $250 a month for 12 months instead of just the $20 cutting your grass every week. That's what I think latent pain. That's a good example, I guess, to let the listeners know what I'm thinking about when I think latent pain. And it does two things. One, it makes it incredibly difficult. Let's say that they ask you, Bobby, man, I'm out here. Your windows, you're getting, it's been stormy. Your windows look like crap, you know, but look at your lawn. Your lawn is fantastic. Why don't you let me take on your windows? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That sounds good. It's been on my to-do list. I need to get that knocked out anyway. And in, in, like you say, to kind of further that example, you continue to ex- they continue to extend the services that you're offering them. These are things that you're going to do anyway, things that you had in the budget anyway. They've now made it really difficult to displace them because you now have somebody that's handling, you know, five or six different parts of, you know, running the Bobby household business. So getting them out is going to be more challenging. But you're also, they're also setting a differentiator up for themselves as well. They're kind of changing the landscape of competition for them. And no pun intended. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, well, look at that. So they're, they're, changing the, they're changing the approach to 100%. And like you said, it can't be robotic. It can't be staged. But I found the best way to do this is you have to know a bunch of sales stories. We're going to talk about sales stories in the interviewing section as part of our listening, listener's choice. But it's all about um, understanding deals that you've won that, let's say that you sell a whole broad range of solutions, like a CDW or an SHI. What does CDW uniquely offer or does SHI uniquely offer that the rest of the companies don't? Because ideally what you want to do in the develop stage here is you want to change the conversation. They came to market with X pain. You want to change that pain to Y pain. 
And it, as it turns out, you're the only one that can solve Y pain. If you can do that successfully and develop, you're going to win this deal. Good call out. The, the Windows is a, is a great example, and we know you all don't sell window cleaning, but there's something that you sell that is the next thing. It's an add-on. It's, a, it's an extra piece that we might not think is really key, but it could be a, that differentiator. And what if they did put out an RFP to lawn care services, and five of the six people that they put the RFP out to that didn't do Windows, and you did do Windows, and you helped them write that RFP, and you did Windows, who's going to win? And it won't be about price. The, the other five can't even meet the minimum requirements, which is a very powerful thing when it does come time to negotiating. So hope that example helps. But that's what develop state, the develop stage is about. First and foremost, finding that latent pain, growing your deal, getting your customer to agree that we're going to we're starting to think about a bigger bubble of things we're going to solve. And then then as a good sales rep, great sales rep, you don't want to do all the work. So you have a team, you have a customer, you might have a partner. Um, this is where you start developing more lines on that reverse timeline and putting owners beside those things. Think as an example, if, if a partner is involved, they should, be, they should be creating the quote. They should be delivering a proposal. You're helping them. Of course you're helping them all along the way. The customer, if they don't own any of this process, they're not going to be engaged and you're going to lose some of that involvement from them. So at least have some things in your reverse timeline that they'll review your presentation before the big demo. I think the second valuable part of this too is how many times, um, I always call this the healthy sell stress and I don't. sometimes it doesn't feel very healthy, but let's say that you're working a number of deals and you have this uneasiness at night or early in the morning. For me, it's like, I don't know about you, Bobby. For me, it's like 2 a.m. in the morning when I wake up and I'm in a little bit of a cold sweat. It, it is because, sometimes it's because we're in a really competitive deal and we're down to the wire. You can't change that. That's just the life we chose. But many times it's because I'm not working on a timeline that's been updated or an evaluation process that's been updated. So maybe I started off with a great timeline, a great work back plan, but it's kind of, you know, they always get out of control. They always change. They always shift. But I find that if I don't keep up with that reverse timeline and I allow it to shift and allow it to change and I'm not in control of it, then I feel like that's when I start to get that that cell stress turns from healthy cell stress to unhealthy cell stress. So this will really help you get control of the opportunity that you're working. I have woke up many nights and then not been able to fall back to sleep because I start thinking about all those things that need to be done and are they not done? I'm there and, and my wheels can't stop turning so I just got to get out of bed and that coffee pot comes on a little bit early. I will say that this this all helps you decide early on and, and, and don't forget, we're in the third stage of six stages. So we're, we're trying to we're kind of halfway through our process, our steps. We should be learning right now if we're going to lose lose or win this deal and that's easy to do if you have the customer on some things your timeline gets a little bit bigger you're developing how broad your you're you're going to start building your solution which is the next stage right if we get all that agreed to we get this timeline a little sharper we should know how well we're doing in this process and how how good of a fit we or our solution is going to be for that customer and we should be I would say almost able to gauge how committed this customer is during this development process. Now, I've mentioned verifiable outcomes. For me, 
the verifiable outcome in the develop stage is that that timeline is now gone from five steps to probably something like 10 or 12 steps. And the big one is that that's agreed to and that I now have access to power. If I don't have access to power, someone who's writing the check or the maybe it's a IT steering committee or something like that. If I don't have access to that group, um, I probably won't move my opportunity from the develop stage to the next stage, which is solution. Um, yeah. Access to power is key. Yeah, there's there's kind of this uh, moment of truth whenever. So we let's say we've had some good conversations. We feel like we're dealing with power. Uh, we're we're still kind of you know sometimes you're still working to confirm that you're. I'd say you're almost always working to confirm that you're still working with power because sometimes while we feel like we may have been told that this is the person making the decision, you're still always testing that a little bit, right? But I feel like when you're sending this email out that encapsulate the entire workback plan, the reverse timeline, it's kind of the moment of truth. If you send that to them and they're like, yep, I'm all in, sounds good. Oh, by the way, number two on your list here, I've already started working on it. Jody's going to get back to us on that. Um, number three, we need to push that back by a week. It, if you get that kind of response from that from that reverse timeline, you know you've represented what the, what actually happened in the conversation, which is always kind of that nervous, you know, before you click send on it. But you know you got a customer that's in on the process. Again, like you said at the kickoff of the podcast, doesn't mean you're going to win it, uh, but at least you know you have an engaged audience on the other side. So what I see an average rep do is they'll say, a customer asked me for a quote. They're going to do something by the end of the year. They got into your money. They got to spend. They're going to give it to me, man. I've been friends with this guy forever. He owes me one, man. It's it's time to pull it in. And you know, I sit back and I just think, how much risk is involved that they're not even thinking about, right? For example, how much work gets done the week of Thanksgiving. So let's use this as an example. We'll even give them benefit of the doubt. They're late October. Okay. For them to pull together to have a few meetings, we're going to be right up against Thanksgiving. So what gets done during Thanksgiving? A lot of eating, not work. So nothing gets done that week. Even if your champion slash sponsor is working that week, his boss ain't working. The people that are helping with the technical aspects aren't working. So forget that week. Yeah, they're not then you got, They're not routing purchase orders that week. For sure. Then you got three weeks before Christmas and New Year's, which... Most companies are shutting down nowadays in the States during that time because no one's working at all anyway, so they're giving them some extra holiday time as a benefit. And you got three weeks to not only win, close, sell, get POs, process the order, all that. Out of late October to December, you're talking five or six work weeks at best. It's going to be a crappy deal if you pull something across the line. That's just not going to happen. So... Think about how much risk is there. Start building in those holidays. Start getting the customer to buy in. And you'll know how well off you're doing. After you've developed all that, and you've agreed that you've got this and you're ready to go, the next stage is solution. The solution is really where you're building the final bubble that you guys have agreed to work on and, and work towards an outcome that's going to be valuable to the customer. I think if the customer can see this bubble, this range of stuff that you're working towards selling them as a solution that's going to, one, create value for them, reduce risk, save them money, make them money, then, then you've got a really good shot at winning. So assuming you're working through your reverse timeline and you guys are working on building the parameters by which you're working within to build the solution, I think this is where you start doing more demos, you start 
having more uh, technical conversations. Maybe you run a POC here. Um, lots that you can do at this stage, but solutions where you're defining what you're accomplishing with the customer. Yeah, I, I think about a few things here too. I think about uh, this is where we're starting to rationalize what the project looks like. So maybe we've made some suggestions in the develop stage, like, hey, we think we could solve this problem also with this, and we, you know, we've kind of expanded the scope a bit. And you've kind of suggested these things over conference calls or face-to-face over coffee. But you want to, at this point, you're starting to actually help them rationalize what, what their life could be like with your solution or group of solutions. But there's, there's kind of a second dimension to that too. There's a business case, whether that's a business case that is um, a two-sentence business case they bring up to the CFO or a 20-page business case they bring up to the president or board of directors, wherever you're at on that spectrum, there is a business case being made about making a change, about about buying something different, no matter how big or or small this this purchase is for this customer. So so with that business case comes what kind of value should they expect to get out of the system and then what is the costing around it too? So I, those are kind of the three things I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about let's bring it all together in kind of a, a demonstration that helps them see it end to end. Let's talk a little bit about the business case. Again, whether that's just a you know a two-sentence business case. And then let's really start to get hard on the numbers to make sure that we we're, are we in the right ballpark here. Is this, is this a customer that could afford what, our, what, our, what we're selling our wares for? I give a bonus tip here uh, to all the listeners. This is where I start thinking about things that I'm going to be able to negotiate with in the later stages, which we're going to talk about next week, right? When we're closing this deal and negotiating, if you we've done what you just said, Brian, and demonstrated and agreed upon what we're going to sell the customer, just as an example, we'll use Microsoft. It's a multi-year agreement. It's three years. It's thousand seats. It's got X, Y, and Z in the agreement. Well, in my mind, I'm thinking they're going to have some ask. Maybe it's price. Maybe it's length of contract. I build these guardrails here. I know what I can be a little flexible on. Maybe it is price. Maybe it's on length of contract. Maybe it's adding a skew that I want to add to get them to grow into the future. This solution framework, this this circle that I'm in my mind I've built around what we're building to, to achieve together, this is also a time where you can start thinking about those negotiation pieces later on down the road which I guarantee you the customer's probably thinking about what they're going to negotiate and ask for. So it's good for you to start be thinking about too. But once you've agreed on that size, that's where you'll know where you're going to be up against come negotiation time as well. Yeah, and if it's if this is a new customer and you're going to be signing a new set of contracts, then when we talk about um, on the develop stage, we talk about the reverse timeline. you got to make sure that, of course, that you're talking about new contracts as the NDA part of this as well. Uh, all of that needs to be built in and thought through. And unfortunately, I'm up against one of those right now where I, I thought I played it right. I, I had a partner involved. I was working on a piece of hardware that I was going to loan the partner so they could put it on site with the customer. The partner can't deliver our services in this case. And I didn't have the contracts in place with the customer to be able to do those services or so we could do those services to install this piece of hardware. And we are now four weeks behind. Mm. Um, and, and it slipped for lots of different reasons, but to be truthful, I screwed up. I made a mistake. And so great example, great call out there. Uh, have that in your timeline and make sure those are get those are getting reviewed by legal so that you don't have something like that slow your process down 
for sure. I think in a technical cell, uh, much like I'm in today from a storage, big high-end storage uh, capacity type world, if you, you have to start be thinking about, do I, am I winning? Am I checking all the boxes that they need to accomplish? Uh, again, I'll use my, my world as an example. It's got to be all flash. It's got to be this resilient. You know, does, does my box do those things? Quite often you can hear here when their competition is giving them FUD about your, your wares or your stuff, whether they're how engaged are they with that competition as well. And you got to be starting to think about, am I going to get this technical win? We'll talk about that next week in, in more detail, but you should be able to start hearing some of those things here as your reverse timeline progresses as well. I like that. I, I you know, I think along the same lines, um, I, I always think about, and I know in this in this political climate, this is a uh, this this sentence means something different now than it did two years ago, even. But uh, one of the great sales managers I used to work for said, "We want to make sure we have a lot of hands on the murder weapon here." And you know, the in some cases there is a lot of value in having whether it's executives touch your prospective customers, whether it's having um, deep technical people speak with their deep technical people. Um, whatever your repertoire of of executive touches or technical touches or functional touches, what can help you bolster this cell? This is very much part of the, the, the solution stage because if you can start to get deeper alignment with the customer to whatever product you're selling, you're gonna improve your chances. You're gonna continue to improve your odds in this process. One of those, that's one of those things that I just did not like in my early days of sales. And I have learned to get as many people in the boat with me as possible and make sure they're emotionally attached. And, and I'll tell you, in a pricing world, no matter where you're at in your sales career, when you have to go ask for special pricing on any deal and the person that, that's going to be the ultimate approver of that has not been involved or touched that deal, it's going to be harder to explain it to them. But if they were in town and you took them to see that customer and they remember, oh, I remember meeting Brian. Yeah, I'll do him a favor. Much easier to get that special pricing approved for sure. 100%. So have a list of those things. No, you know, it's it's always a, oh my gosh, I can't believe that person was such a big help to me six months ago. I can't believe I didn't think of, of, of grabbing that person to, to introduce them to the customer. Keep a short list of the people that have helped you influence your business and, uh, you know, ask them for favors. They they want to be involved. They want to be adding value back to prospective customers. So uh, know who those people are. Have a list of them. So at the end of solution, the solution stage, we've really refined the scope of the project or the scope of the, the solution we're going to build. We've really started working through our reverse timeline. They're doing their stages. They're doing their steps. The partner's doing their pieces. We're doing our pieces. We're making some progress down that road. I don't leave this stage until the verifiable outcome here is that we've agreed the we've got the final solution set built. We, we know how big or small it's going to be, and we're working towards the final solution. And next week, we'll talk about proof, and we'll talk about close. Uh, proof will be the stage where we get that technical win if it's a technical sale and and or we've sold enough value that the customer gives us verbal approval then close is going to be uh, where we negotiate and get signed contracts can't wait to talk through that there's a bunch there they sound simple but we as we all know if we've ever missed a deal we know uh, they're not as easy as they sound when we talk through a mic and tell you the story about them so uh, look forward to next week on those two and don't forget Average sucks. Average is the enemy. 
We appreciate you all listening. Please tell a friend, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.